Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 325 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, I'm absolutely thrilled to have Dr. Elliot Justin on our show. Dr. Justin is an emergency medicine specialist and healthcare technology consultant with expertise in urology, cardiovascular disease, and diabetes. He has originated advice several health service telemed and tech startups. His interest in regenerative medicine and his passion for regular playful lovemaking and his health benefit have led him to found FirmTech, his latest venture promoting sexual wellness. In this episode, we'll be discussing a range of topics related to men's sexual health. Specifically, we're going to dive into the pros and cons of using medication. I know many of you guys ask me about medication, medication that your physician writes or the one that you take from online. And we're going to talk about some of their side effects. And then we're going to explore alternative treatment options because there's a galaxy of options that I bet you haven't heard about. People think about medication and then they think about surgery and like they don't know about all these options in between. Then we're going to also talk about sex toys for men and we're going to talk about some practical changes you can make to your lifestyle that helps you to improve your sexual health. This episode is sponsored by Firm Tech. Are you looking for a way to take your sexual performance to the next level? 
then you must check out the FirmTech Tech Ring. They're our sponsor for this episode. I'm very lucky that I got a sample of the Tech Ring and Performance Ring, and I fell in love with the Tech Ring. The Performance Ring is great, but what I like about the Tech Ring, it's very interesting. It is designed to warn during intercourse, as well as during the night. During the episode, we're going to talk about the importance of your ability to get an erection during night. And this device will help you to assess your cardiovascular health in a way. It gives you data on duration of your erection and firmness of penis. Pretty cool, right? It's just been so interesting to experiment with that in the bedroom. I'm going to tell you all about it during the podcast interview and my own experience at the end. So if you are interested in trying the FirmTech Performance Ring, head over to myfirmtech.com and use the promo code MOALI20 for a sweet 20% discount on your purchase. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Justin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to welcome Dr. Elliot Justin to our show. Dr. Justin, welcome to our show. Great to be here. I am very excited about this conversation. I know we had a mini conversation like right after this because we're so excited about this. Our listeners that they know that I have a course on erectile challenges, erectile unpredictability, and I always talk about kind of like challenges that people have. So it's wonderful to have a physician who develop product around some of these challenges to come on the show and talk to us about their innovation in the field. I guess my first question is, how did you get interested in developing the sex talk? Thank you. I was, there was a urologist at the University of Utah who wanted to come up with a way of counting the number of nocturnal erections that are indicative of vascular health. It's actually a leading indicator. That number of nocturnal erections will go down before a man has a heart attack or they have a stroke. Before he knows he's become symptomatic, that number will go down. So I'm 70 years old. A man my age will have three per night. A man who's in their 20s might have five. And it just kind of it becomes something that, that men can follow, like the blood pressure or the electrocardiograph, as a marker of the vascular health. So this urologist wanted to count the number of nocturnal erections by embedding sensor technology into something like a, con- like a condom ring. My thought was, we can do better than that because we can not only count the number of nocturnal erections, we can measure the duration, the firmness of every erection, both overnight and during sex. By doing that, we can measure the impact of the common causes of erectile dysfunction for two purposes. One, if you have dysfunction, you want to stabilize things where, the, where they are. If you don't have dysfunction, if, you, if I call it erectile fitness, you want to maintain that fitness. You want, so you want, you want to follow the, the, these, these parameters, nocturnal erection, duration, and firmness, because they are the vital signs of, of a man's erectile health. So what, did, what, what can we follow? We can follow diabetes. We think that before a man's hemoglobin A1C goes up, which is the blood test for diabetes, before it goes up to, to, to the point where it becomes symptomatic, the number of nocturnal erections will go down, as well as the deterioration, duration, and firmness of erections. There's diabetes, high blood pressure, atherosclerosis, obesity, medications. I'm certainly our data confirms that, if you don't mind my using the phrase, the, the, the big cock killers are, are the SSRI antidepressants that are so used so commonly and many blood pressure medications. I mean, 15 to 25% of the adult population in the United States, adult population, is hypertensive. And they're taking, often they're taking medications that can have a deleterious impact upon their, their sexual health. We also measure the impact of alcohol 
and drugs and use, utilize this technology. And people can, we've had people, and I've actually done it myself, I've determined the point at which I can still get an erection, but can't ejaculate or where nothing's going to happen. And my daughter, who's 29, jokes about how, well, people want this on the dating apps in the future. Well, married couples will want this. Hey, Dr. Wiley, it's your anniversary. You need to remind your husband that his capacity is X number of cocktails. Otherwise, we know for, we know from his data, it ain't going to happen. So there's, there's a lot of fun to have with this you know, you know, as well. We also evaluate and help men with probably the, the, the leading cause of erectile dysfunction that, that no one really talks about, which is venous leak syndrome. So venous leak syndrome, as a doctor, I didn't really know much about this. So I always thought it was something that people, that some men were born with, that couldn't hold blood in their penis because their, their smooth muscles around their veins could, you know, didn't work well. But then I learned recently that actually both diabetes, hypertension, atherosclerosis, so these things lead to, to venous leak syndrome. All men get it. And so as we age, we can exercise and maintain the strength of a skeletal muscle, but we can maintain the strength of a smooth muscle. And so the, the answer is actually a mechanical one, which is a, which, you know, which is a cock ring. So we, our, our products are pretty, can give people the data, the vital signs, but they can also improve their, their sexual performance by, by dealing with venous leak syndrome. So for example, when I was 30, I could sustain erection for 45 minutes, an hour without a problem. At my age, 15, 20 minutes, then it starts to fade. So what's the answer? Well, the, the answer is, is a Cochrane. So that was a long answer to your question. I'm sorry to dominate the conversation. No, no, I think this is fascinating because, you know, as we were talking about that, Many people, they don't know about cock rings and how helpful they can be and how how it can kind of close the arousal gap, which will be very helpful. I know that the first thing that then comes to people's mind when they have struggle with maintaining an erection is to go like online and buy a pill, like whether it's Viagra and say it's the or there are different versions of it. You can get it easily from any website these days. What are some of the pros and cons of using this medication? Well, that's a very interesting class of medications because they're actually most effective in those who need them the least. And big, the pharma companies knew this. They knew this back in the 90s. They knew that if you want to increase blood flow, which these drugs do, they'll increase blood flow more in men who do not have diabetes, hypertension, atherosclerosis, or venous leak syndrome from aging. They work the greatly young men. So my personal experience prescribing these medications since the 90s is that the men tend to fall into two categories. They are men in the 50s plus who are divorced or widowed and the dating usually someone someone who's younger. And I always tell them, you know, it's going to be a struggle to get up the first couple of times. Men men have this unexpected expectation. And often their partners do. That, hey, if, if he doesn't get it up, he doesn't like me. Or if he doesn't get it up, he's not the right person for me. But the reality is performance anxiety in men past their, past their 20s is, is normal. It just gets worse probably, probably over time. So my experience with these older men is in general, after a month, maybe two weeks, they don't need it anymore because the issue is really a trust issue in the relationship and not in a confidence building, not that they had they had ED. Although they would, given their age, they probably would benefit from, you know, from a cock ring. The other group that these drugs are commonly prescribed by me and by others, and people get them online now, is guys that want to party because they know, and I've personally experienced as well too, that I can drink more. And if I take a Salus or, or Viagra, I did this last at one of my son's wedding about four years ago. I think there's, there's a starting point for men with ED, but it's one thing for a man who's 30 to go online and get medication because he's having a problem. But for a man my age, or frankly, for any man over the age of 45 or 50, they, they really should be thinking about a cardiovascular problem first and get a workup because the urologist and the cardiologist call the penis the canary in the coal mine of vascular disease. And it is. It's, it, it, it's a, you know, if, if my blood pressure goes up or down, I don't know what it means. I'm really worried about my heart, my brain, or my kidney. But if I'm having less nocturnal and blood pressure doesn't tell me anything about that. But if I have less nocturnal erections or the duration or firmness of my penis goes down, which be determined using utilizing our technology, and I'm man over the age of 45 or 50, I'm not taking some drug like 
or recreational drug or medication I can directly attribute the poor performance to. I've got a vascular problem. I really should see a urologist or an internist who's knowledgeable about these issues and get a workup and be certain that I'm not pre-diabetic, I'm not hypertensive, or they don't have some other medical condition you know, going on. I think the risk of these drugs is low, though. They've been around since the 90s. You know, there, there are people who talk about the side effects, but the incidences of side effects is, is low. You know, as you pointed out, the demand for them are high because, I mean, 50% of the men age 50 have ED. It's 20% at age 30. So the demand for medication is high. The access is easy. But so I want to reiterate that the pills are not that effective and they often, they potentially could be masking a more serious problem. And given the incidence of diabetes, hypertension, obesity, et cetera, in our society, it's really important that people pay attention to their health and not just hope for a solution in privacy by ordering a pill as opposed to having to go to a doctor and, and, and talk about it and get a workup. Absolutely. And I don't think there's, and I'm sure you agree with, with me, that there's nothing wrong with taking medication, but you're right that like it's a, it can signify that there's an issue with erectile functioning when you're younger of other problems. As you mentioned, maybe cardiovascular issue, maybe like you have performance anxiety, anxiety, or maybe you are in a situation that doesn't feel comfortable. So, and right. my experience with many of my clients that when they, sometimes when you're super anxious, the medication doesn't work. So that can be also very disappointing. Yeah. Well, I, a lot of people have this notion that if you take a pill, you get an erection and that's simply not the case. It doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. There are side effects. You know, there are migraine headaches that people report. There are visual changes. You know, my, my son is a, is, is a retina specialist and I actually discussed this with him prior to this call. Like, what, are, what are you guys seeing? You're, he's at Duke. He says, we don't see anything. Well, you know, maybe you're getting a phone call from someone who, who's getting some light sensitivity. When I was, when I was working in the emergency department, I did have two people show up, showed up with fainting, but they'd taken too, too much. Kind of like with vitamins. Guys say, gee, if, I, if one's going to work, why not take two or two or three? And that's what people can get into problems. That is a major side effect. People can get, if you take too much of these medications, they can get to feel the ejaculation. So, you know, I have had, and I then there's also pre-epistin, which is an erection lasting more than four hours and is, and is painful. And that's, I have seen that as well too, but it's, it's, it's uncommon. I don't want, I, I don't want to exaggerate the, the danger of these medications because they're, they're, they're not. Well, it's good to know because I personally heard this myth. I haven't heard from my clients, but from like outside and stuff that people having heart attack or like having an erection that feels uncomfortable. It's reassuring to hear that that's just not a common experience for people. Yeah, it's not. And it, I mean, it's hard. I mean, no, no one's keeping stats. And we and the people working in the emergency department, look at call to the emergency department for emergencies. We love talking about the outliers. The, the, oh, the guy, who had the, the guy who took an overdose of Viagra and had an erection for eight hours. Now we, now we have to operate his penis to can have an erection. And people love telling those kind of stories. But in general, if, if people take the medications responsibly, they don't take, take too much of them. They're safe. Okay. Well, I think the other thing that also at times show up is that the dosage, as you mentioned. Sometimes people kind of like increase the dose on themselves or sometimes they have clients that they reduce the dose, like use the half of the pill. Does that even work? They always ask me, like, if I use the half of pill, would it would that work? It's does that dose I would imagine the dose matter. Well that this is where data becomes so important because it, you know, big pharma and there's a, there's there's the Dalafil, Bidenafil, Sedanafil, they're probably up a couple of a couple other ones. Pharma never competes head to head. They just demonstrate efficacy and then they market the heck out of it. So we don't know which of these medications is most effective. And the doses that, that they've come up with are really kind of one size fits all. And people vary. You know, if, if I'm someone with significant hypertension, I'm going to need a larger dose. I'm going to have someone does have hypertension or diabetes. I probably benefit just, just from a lower dose. The great thing about the technology that's built into our tech ring is that someone can actually say what works for me. I personally, in the course of this work, found out that most of my friends in their even their 40s on up to 
their 80s are taking to Dallasville like it's like they would take an Altoid, you know, it's, and every day and I, or every other day. And so I thought, well, I'll try. So I went to my scientific advisory board. Well, I hope I'm not listening in right now. There are six urologists. And I said to them, what do you think is going to happen? And they all predicted that I would have more nocturnal erections and that my, I'd have experienced more duration, not more firmness because, and we can talk about this later on, but you know, basically rock hard at my age is what rock hard was when I was 20. What's different is the refractory period, which is a whole other, you know, whole other issue. So they expected more duration and more nocturnal erections. I took, I took 10 milligrams of Dallasville every other day with, with no change. And I didn't expect any change because I don't have disease. So you put a little more blood in, what's a really and I, ha- I don't, and I'm an established relationship and I'm confident. And so I, you know, I put a little blood in, what's not going to make any difference. The issue, the issue at my age is, is, is actually one of uh, controlling the, the outflow of blood on the, on, on the venous side. So I, I suspect there are a lot of them out there and I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to put this down. I think, I think just the placebo effect of the Dalafil is beneficial to them. I have, and I have had a couple of guys tell me just having, no, it's theirs. It's like a rescue drug, whether Viagra is like a rescue drug. I'm out of trouble. I can take that and it's a confidence builder, but that doesn't mean it's really working. It just, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's benefits then, you know, psychological. So that, you know, that begs the question of in men, would a ring alone be better than the Dalafil or in men who have ED, maybe the right answer. And I, we're going to be studying this is a ring plus a PDE5 medication. Well, tell us more about that. So, because as far as the kind of like sex tech stuff out there, like there are some cock rings that I know we talked about it, but like there are pumps, there are like variety of options. What are some of the products out there for men who are struggling with erectile unpredictability and they want to use more of a sex tech stuff? Well, let's let for. Yeah, I actually, I was just on a panel at this conference. I don't know if you know that conference, but it's the sex toy conference. It's the industry sex toy conference. We actually won tech ring. Our tech ring won the most innovative sex toy of the year award, wow. uh, which is fun <laughs> and, 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 and rewarding. And they kind of guess to what, what we're talking about because one of the questions they asked the panel of leaders in this, this space were, what's about the future of the sex toy industry? And I, one of the points I made was that if we want to move the sex toy industry out of the typecasting of toys into wellness, we need to deliver people valuable data or valuable functions that are actually going to significantly improve things for them. So, you know, I, the kind of the, some some of the toys that are out there for men and women involve you know remote play. Well, if you and I were having an affair and I, and you could vibrate my penis right now, that's kind of fun, fun in a way. Hey, I'm let 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 the buzz, but it's not it's not really helping me. It's not giving me any any information. It's kind of it's kind of a novelty. So, what are the things out there that are, that are not novelties aside from our, from our tech ring? Well, there there are lots of things, and they're not well tested, unfortunately. Now with the tech ring, they they can be tested. So there's pelvic floor exercises and to strengthen the pubic cecidious muscle, the muscle that's involved in ejaculation. Well, that's only one part of getting erection. It doesn't actually, there's no reason to think, unless you're some, a man who's, who's obese and has had, or has had bladder surgery or some, some other issue, trauma, straddle injury, there's no reason to think that pelvic, that, that you're going to inc- actually increase the blood flow into your penis by exercising the pubic cecidious muscle. There are pumps and they certainly work. One of the problems with the pumps is I've only tried them once, but because I was curious about it, but they, they have a hard silicone ring that goes on afterwards. It's very, very uncomfortable, you know, the ring, although the pumps do work. And there is one research paper that came out this year showing that you can increase and sustain penis girth and length with a pump, but that requires regular use of the pump for a protracted period of time. And there are people who do that just the way there are people who go out and run marathons or go out and run, you know, 10Ks regularly. You and I both know men, we know human nature. To get a, if you tell a guy, you got to do this 20 minutes a day for the next three months, the guy's going to say, well, isn't there a pill? Because people, we want, and that applies to women as well too. People, people want quick solutions. They don't, they don't want long-term solutions. So a pump in the short term 
we'll give you an erection. Does it over the long term improve your erectile function? Does it does it make does it improve blood flow, hardness, long term? That probably requires, you know, protracted ex- exercise regimen. And there are, so I know of one company in Southern California, I, maybe I should be endorsing them. I don't mean this endorsement, but I like the product. So Dr. You know, Dr. Joel Kaplan, you know, I know they have, they have an app and there may well be other, not to, um, there may be other companies out there that, you know, they have an app for that, for that type of development. People want to, want to, want to go down, go down that route. There's injecting neurotoxin to base the dorsal of the penis to increase length and increase blood flow. I suspect there probably works. I'll mention another company. I have no association with them, but I think they're called Magnum, N-A-G-N-Y-M. They're in the great metropolitan area. I'm certain there are other doctors doing that in other major metropolitan areas. I don't, don't think it's going on much in the community hospitals. So they out where I live in rural Montana. So we have pumps, pelvic floor exercises, injections. Injections are expensive though, and, they're, and, and they and a lot of guys cringe at you know, putting needles in themselves. And there's the P-Shot, which is a concentration of platelets, of your platelets that are withdrawn, spun down, concentrated, injected into the penis with the hope that it would regenerate small vessel, small, regenerate small blood vessels. Does it work or doesn't work? I don't know. I've heard yes and I've heard no. Then the shockwave therapy, the big company there is Gainswave. Again, I have no association with them. But Gainswave is the big one. There are others that are doing it. I think anecdotally, I think what I've, I've heard, it does work. On the other hand, the academic urologists I'm involved with are very skeptical. The advantage of what we do with my firm tech is we can actually say, okay, yeah, it's working. How well is it working? How would you have to be treated? And we, we can make its, its, its benefit objective. And it is expensive. The other solution is, is, is the cock ring. They've mass produced in the United States for 140 years. And one has to assume that in the distant path, people are Men have, have men and their partners have been using fiber or leather on their penises as cock rings. We just don't have the artifacts because things like that don't last. We know that they were still using dildos in the past, but we don't know about cock rings, but I, I would assume so. So what are the pros and cons of cock rings? Well, my wife and I have been using cock rings for decades because we're, you know, we're into sex toys, as you probably are. On my wife's side of the bed, underneath the, the side of the bed, there's a, a basket that we bought in Java in 1988, which is pregnant with our first child. That basket contains our rejects. There are a lot of cock rings in there because every, like, I'd say once or twice a year, you know, when my wife will get a catalog, you know, in the old days of catalog, today, today it's online and someone says, oh, he has, he has something new and great. You have to try it. And we use it once or twice and we throw it away. Why? We throw it away because they're uncomfortable. I don't like them. And they, you know, the, as you know, the, the male mindset is, is come and done, as we say. And if, and if, I, if something's uncomfortable, you, you got to tear it off afterwards. You want to get out of bed, you want to leave. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a really romantic experience. Cock rings, other than cock rings do work. You have disadvantage, you have to have to have an erection before you put it on because they block the arterial flow, but they do constrain the penis return. And it's, they're kind of like a chokehold on, on the penis. They have more receptivity in the gay community. So it's estimated in the industry that 90% of gay men who have sex regularly use co- have sex regularly use cock rings regularly, whereas only 10% for straight men. When I bent the tech ring, we wanted to make a more comfortable cock ring because we wanted to make a cock ring that could be worn overnight. These, sil- these silicone cock rings that are sold in sex toy stores or online, they made it a hard silicone. They need to be taken off 20, 20, 30 minutes. Women understand this more than men do because women wear bras. I would say common event in most marriages, mine too, is that you scratch your wife's back when she takes a bra off. You're in the bra all day, especially in the summer. They're uncomfortable. They pinch. Silicone as a material makes you adapt to it. I want to make cock ring out of a, out of a soft elastomer inspired by like stress ball on the wife's desk. So that would be soft. It'd be worn overnight. It would not block the arterial flow into the penis, but just constrain the venous return. So it'd be worn for hours. You can put it on when you're flaccid. You don't have to interrupt sexual activity, you know, to put it on. I mean, to put it in medical context, we have two types of tourniquets in medicine. We have an arterial tourniquet. If I walk down the street and get hit by a truck and I'm bleeding out from my leg, the medics have put an arterial tourniquet on me to prevent any blood from flowing out. And they would have to release that tourniquet every 20, 25 minutes 
less my tissue be damaged. But medicine, we also have a venous tourniquet, which just goes around the arm lightly. We don't need to turn off the blood. You have to turn your hand black and blue, but we just want, we want your veins to pop out. What's well, kind of the same thing with our ring. It's like a, it's like a venous tourniquet. We don't constrain, constrain the arterial flow. So it's safe. It can be worn for hours. Another thing I want to do with our cock ring that's unique is put a little bit of light pressure over the urethra. And one of the leading competitors in this, in this area, you mentioned them before the interview, they brag, they don't, that they're, that they're sparing the urethra. I think they've made a mistake. We think they made a mistake. I, I'm in that if you, we don't want to cut off the urethra. We don't want to block the ejaculation. But if you put a little bit of light pressure over the urethra, it draws the ejaculation out. So I, my personally, my ejaculation time is our ring goes from three seconds to six seconds. And if I or my wife pull, pull on, on the ring around the base of the dorsum of the penis, it can be as much eight or nine seconds. My orgasm is, is much more profound as a consequence. So in, we've done two surveys of, of 60 men. One survey, 75% of men said their orgasms are better. The other survey was 55% of men said their orgasms are better. Uh, what guy wouldn't want to have a better orgasm? So, I, you know, I mean, in, in my lifetime, vibrators have become normalized. I would like to see cock rings normalized as well, too. You know, my mother's vibrator was stuffed in the bottom drawer of a dresser in a storage closet. And of course, we all found it. We didn't know what it was. You know, my, my wife was in a night table and she takes them on trips and my daughter takes them on dates. Well, cock rings are still sort of the, the shame thing for guys. Oh, it's, I, it's an aid. It's a crutch. And there's this real, as I said before, this division between the gay community and the straight community. So one, one of the jokes when we're at, at medical conventions, the booth is, how do you tell the difference between a straight doctor and a gay doctor? You ask them one question. Do you use a cock ring? The straight doctor is like you put kryptonite down in front of Superman. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't need that. The gay doctor is like, yeah, like last night, you got a better one. Well, so it's not a question of need. It should be a question of want for men. Do you want to have, have a longer erection? Do you want to have a better orgasm? Why don't you use a cochran? Well, I, I like that the product that your from my firm, the tech uh, product are more comfortable. And I think as you're right, that it, the diagnostic part of it, it's important. Because it gives you information on like, because tell people that to, like, you got to make lifestyle changes. We know that like, if you're a smoker, if you want to kind of like have better erection, you have to quit smoking, eat better, like move your body. These, these are like common recommendations. Right. But sometimes that sounds like abstract to people. I'm thinking about, okay, I'll, I made some changes. But if you have something like diagnostic and kind of that gives you data, then that can help you to see if that's working or not. Well, I guess one thing that I'm curious about is the intensity of orgasm. I understand that if they're restricting the blood flow, the erection lasts longer. But how does it help with the intensity of orgasm for men? That's, that's a good question. Because the more blood you retain in the head of the penis, the more powerful the orgasm. So with, with our ring, my girth increases by three millimeters, girth mean width. No one's going to walk by me and say, oh, porn star suddenly, because it's three millimeters. But that's more blood than I could. Than, there's no amount of uh, oral, vaginal, manual, anal stimulation that's going to get me that hard in the cock ring. This is what guys need to understand. Beyond rock hard, there's cock ring hard. And by holding more blood behind the penis, it produces more pleasure. That makes sense. And I just, yeah. I, and, I, and, and I wish, and, and, and you know, I wish the urologist would start telling that to people because it's, it's it, people, because people, I think that, I think that men use cock rings more regularly. Men with mild ED would have a solution for their problems. And men who are, who are, don't have ED, they still be enjoying sex more. And the partners would be enjoying it more because if you can have a longer erection, especially for younger guys, you'll have, your partner will have, your partner will have better time. I mean, as I, you know, at my age, having an erection after I've had an orgasm is, intimacy with my wife is not important to our to, to our pleasure but for younger men it is really important if you're gonna if you if a man's gonna come and you know three to five minutes it's highly likely that his partner is not gonna be satisfied 
because life is not pornography. This isn't Game of Thrones where some woman climbs on top of a guy and they both climax in like, you know, in three minutes. So if, if you can add to some, your partner's pleasure by putting this on, by having sustaining erection, it'd be really valuable. And we're, we're coming out, well, it'll be it'll be the late spring, early summer. We're coming out with, with a clitoral vibrator attachment to our device where the vibrator is in the right position anatomically. Most cock rings with vibrators, the vibrator is in the, is in the ring itself. It's three, three to three and a half centimeters away from where the clitoris is. Now that might be okay for someone my daughter's age, but it's not okay for someone my wife's age. It's got to be in the right location or it's just, it just, it's just not going to, it's just not going to work. So we tested that device on eight partners and it, it, it's, it works well. It works quite well. And we, we're going to, right now we're calling that Femtech. Maybe might, 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 might have a better name, but what's the calling it for now? So people can expect it'll obviously increase, increase the functionality of our device for, you know, for, for partner sex. Plus the device can also be used solo by women or by men. More and more men are using vibrators today than before, mostly in the gay community because they're usually onto this first. Well, you know, it's like you read my mind because that was my next suggestion about the vibrator. I remember like in early 20s, it was like long time ago that like my partner Dan, I, we bought these things like with a cock ring for novelty from the supermarket that had vibrating tongue. And it was just so uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> it was the worst sex yeah. I can't think I ever heard. Yeah. I mean, like, was it that pink? Was the pink thing? I don't remember, was but it's it just like okay. vibrating. Like, like, it's like so odd, and it just like, like felt bad on him, felt bad on I. Like, it felt like it was just not a good sex sex. But like, I saw that the, your product is like very well, well produced and well designed. So something with that. That comes with then of like some additional part that will help with a kind of like stimulation of clitoris. I think that would be a winner. Yeah, and and, and our female testers all felt that they, could, they work well solo. I mean, we get we leave the session of Nicholas Function moment, but. You know, vibrators range from from rumble to buzz, and older women tend in our marketing are tend to prefer as women age they go from buzz to rumble. Although may like may like both. So you know, are we actually pitched our vibration so that it's between the best selling rumbler and the best selling buzzer? That's right. In, in you know in the middle and what uh, and we tried to make it very simple to use just just three speeds because one one the complaint of women in our marketing testing is we, women don't want forty different modes and they don't want buttons that are confusing and that could be pressed the wrong way the wrong way. And I wonder how can we make the sex toy for men more mainstream? Like right now, even in, even in more conservative communities, people kind of are more comfortable introducing their vibrator sex toys for women. But sex tech for men is still, it's more, at least based on my experience, more stigmatized. I know you mentioned that mm-hmm. uh, with heterosexual colleague also, you've noticed it. What have you found useful? Like, for example, if a listener listening to the show, when they want to have experiment with it, they don't know how to bring it up with their partner. What have you found helpful in that context? Well, that's, that's, a, that's another really good question because you know, we have several research projects going on by urologists and sexologists, and they'll be, they'll, be, those, they'll, be, they'll be publicized in the fall. I really think this needs to be driven by the urologists and sexologists recommending cock rings routinely, but it also, in the heterosexual world, needs to be driven by women. Women make most of the health decisions in a couple. They also make almost all the sex toy decisions. If a man buys a sex toy, it's a novelty. It might get used once for Valentine's Day or his, his birthday. And then it goes, and it, then it gets trashed. If a woman introduces a sex toy to a relationship, it will get used again and again until she decides that she no longer wants to use it. We are, are marketing, not this quarter, but the next quarter, we're, we're going to be focusing on women because we think women need to promote this. It's very, very interesting for me just talking to my friends who are people in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Often the male addicts is often, well, I don't need that. I might know better because I know what medications they're taking, but their, their wives will approach me often separately and say, he we need it. Well, you know, can we get a sample? So I think that I think that women need to 
heterosexual women need to take you know, to take this on you know, as well. It, it's it took it, you know, but it took two generations for really maybe two and a half generations to vibrate. It's been normalized among women. I hope I hope we can accomplish the same with cockneys in five to ten years. I also think that introducing the data elements should help to popularize it as, as well too, because so many men have diseases or taking medication with their with their sexual performance and our the technical ring, which is our ring with technology out the ring without technology will will help you know will help these men and we will be marking it but it's it's difficult this is a difficult problem and i really look to people like you people you know people in in the sexual advice category to start making this recommendation to people to not, and to not, not, you're not hesitate to make a recommendation if a woman says she had a problem you wouldn't hesitate to recommend a, a vibrator I, I just it's so weird that that this, but you know, can get speaking to straight urologists like you don't recommend this. You, you're not, no, you're. I mean, the American Urology Association recommends that go men go right to pumps and skip cock rings. I, that kind of flabbergasts me because you're. If, yeah, if guy can't get a, get an erection at all, then the pump is a good idea. But the, most men who have ED have a mix of performance anxiety and a medication related effect or an alcohol plus alcohol related effect. And these things can be addressed with a, with a change of behavior and a mechanical solution like a cock ring, in my opinion. I think that that's is such a good recommendation. I certainly had clients that they use pumps and I have fewer people that they use the rings because it's, I wonder part of it also is the quality in the market. And rings yeah. that I tried, it was like uncomfortable and one was like painful, the one like a, the cheaper one I got from that. Right, sure. So I'm glad that now there are, it seems like the, there's a kind of like evolution in the build up a male sex tech, which is comfortable. And you know what I love is kind of like reducing the stigma, the data gathering information. Like the, I know that you guys are at times marketed as Fitbit. And I think that's brilliant because it gives you data and also it reduces the stigma connected to that. Because like we, you were Fitbit, like Apple Watch everywhere, we're tracking everything. Why not track that kind of like our sexual health? So I'm kind of curious for our listeners. So like now, like, for example, if they have, they start gathering data. So they see that they have some erectile unpredictability. They don't have a medical issue, like significant medical issue, for example, like heart disease or like diabetes, but they want to improve their erectile functioning and they want to track it maybe using the ring. What, what are some of the actionable changes, like practical changes that you recommend them to do to see some results? Well, the, you know, there was a wide range of answers that, you know, one, people, if people have diabetes, hypertension, they need to comply with their medications. If people are overweight and have a retracted penis because they're overweight, they need to lose weight and to, and, and to lose a, a lot of weight. The, I think, it's, I think though, though, with erectile fitness, it's really, it's, it's a question of using it or losing it. So you know, doctors make recommendations about weight, make recommendations about blood pressure, about exercise, about food. We don't make recommendations about sex. So we're actually, it, we're going to be the first company our, by your pal, the urologist. We're going to recommend people if they have sex twice a week, at least have sex twice a week. Why? Because it's use it or lose it, <laughs> you know, especially, especially, you know, in, in, age, in aging men. And the, and then the, the benefits of regular sex are, you know, range from better relationships to it's almost not in a body system that isn't improved by regular sex, vascular immune system, you know, you know, et cetera. It's my hope that with the tech ring, we'll, we'll see what people have accomplished with other wearables. I call our device the world's first underwearable, to be provocative, but also people have a digital scale. They will use that scale, but become more conscious of the weight. People who are following their their, their oxygen saturation because they have sleep apnea off of using a smart ring or a smart watch, they'll be paying more attention to the thing, the factors that aggravate their the, the sleep apnea. 
it's my hope that if, if people start following their 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 sex data, the, their vital signs of every guy's most vital organ, that they will have sex more and as a and experience the benefits of of, have, of having sex more. I mean, one of the things that fascinates me is that people will go to the gym fourteen hours a week, and then you ask them. Okay, you look great, men and women. How often do you have sex? And they'll say, "Oh, like twice a month." What? Oh, what? What happened? What's wrong in your relationship? Why? Why can't you take two or three hours that you're devoting to making yourself look buff, man, man or woman, and put that into improving the quality of your relationship and enjoying something that you enjoyed a long time ago, but you've given up enjoying? Does it's it, you know it, people's behavior in that area? Frankly, frankly, does you know, mystifies me. I don't understand why someone would want to get on a Peloton ninety minutes a day. Why can't you get a Peloton for sixty minutes and have sex for thirty minutes? I don't. <laughs> I don't. I really don't see it. And I think they'll. I think people be a lot happier if, if they were having more sex. I agree with you. I think the other piece is that people kind of like, unfortunately, and like at least based on for my clients, I hear that their physician sometimes they are not worse in sexual medicine. So when they're older, they have like older, mean like like middle age and above, they're struggling with sexual functioning. At time, the message that they get that, you know, it's just part of life. People don't think that it's just like, it's part of like human life, that like it's a human right issue, that you gotta be able to have great sex all throughout your life. It's not something that you will lose if you are like older. There are adjustments that you can make, but it's just something that everyone can enjoy in their lives. At least that's based on my experience with my client. Yeah, I, I think the doctors are part of the problem, big part of the problem. I, I'm seven years old. I've never had a doctor ask me about my sexual health. I've never had a doctor ask, warn me about the side effect of the medication. The doctors are doctors overall are inhibited about this and the patients are inhibited. And the end result is people have or sexual health. And what do doctors do? They, you know, they write a prescription. Well, there's a lot more to it than, you know, they're, you know, they're writing a prescription. And I also think that if you want to motivate people to comply with their diabetes regimen, the hypertensive regimen, or to, to lose weight, warning them about the sexual side effects of that, when, especially when they're younger, would be, would be really powerful. It's, it's the same thing with gynecologists too. You know, but my wife has never, unless she raises the issue, no gynecologist has ever asked her, hey, how are things going on in bed with your husband? Or, or this, you're taking this this hormone. What's, what is having an impact? Or, or gee, I noticed that, this is my wife not talking about, so generalizing. I noticed you're taking this blood pressure medicine. Is it having an impact on, on your sexual health? And the great thing about having technology is you can now establish a baseline. So our tech product, I mean, has, we have helped younger men who are taking testosterone steroids to body build to adjust their medications so they can still, their sexual performance doesn't deteriorate at, even, their, even though they look buff on the outside. But our product is really looking more at men 45, you know, 50, establish a baseline. If I went to a, an internist right now for an annual checkup where I told him I had a little bit of chest pain, he, did, he just listened with a stethoscope and didn't get a chest CT angiogram or, or get a cardiogram blood test. I would think, you know, what is this, 1880s? I want some data. If you went to a gynecologist and said, gee, I have pain on intercourse, and they just did a biomanual exam, didn't check you with an ultrasound, you would think, what, what is this, 1960s? Well, that's that's where the, the gynecologists and the urologists are when it comes to sexual health. Right now, they don't have the technology, and now they do. They, they don't, we, for men, they do have the technology, and they will soon have it for women because we've we've tested that product as well, too, and we hope to bring out a product for women similar to the men's device. I Realistically, it'll be the first quarter next year. Maybe the, end of the last quarter, but it'll be the first quarter next year. Because women need to know as well too. Women need to know what's the what's the blood flow. Not, and I'm I'm more interested. We're interested in the vagina. We want to know about the the pubocusidus muscle contraction that curl orgasm. But I'm but I'm much more interested in what's going on in the labia minora and the clitoris in terms of blood flow. Because women have nocturnal flow erections. No one's just, no one has looked at this since Masses and Johnson. And that's like it's a mess job like 50 years ago almost. 
no one's looked at nocturnal erections in women. And if, if nocturnal penile erections in men are indicative of their vascular health and the impact of medications, I strongly believe that we see the same, same things that are going to be true in women. I'm excited for that. And I know that there are products, different kind of loops you can add that they claim that increase the blood flow and clitoris. So I think having those information, kind of like that wearable that gives you the kind of data that can see like what works for your body, what doesn't. And it can also motivate you to kind of make the changes. Well, I'm, I'm very excited for this. I think, I think L-arginine, and there are topical products, women that have L-arginine in them, it's a vasodilator. They do work, but they don't, it's kind of, it's kind of like, a, yeah, like cochlear works as well too for men. But you want to, if you're a woman, you want to know what's going on with, well, diabetes, hypertension, these are these other conditions, as opposed to, hey, I, I'm, I'm supposed to potentially, especially an older woman, a postmenopausal woman, masking a problem because, hey, L-arginine works for me. I have sex twice a week. I put L-arginine cream on. And there are lots of brands out there and, and, and it works. Okay. But maybe it's not working because you're pre-diabetic. Maybe it's not working because you're hypertensive. So I, I have no problem with these products. I just think that as the population ages, people need be concerned about masking something and not seeking help. I agree with you. So I bet our listeners are curious about where can they find your products? What are the, some of the resources that you, you offer? Can you share more that, about that with us? Sure. You can find our product at myfirmtech, M-Y-F-R-M-T-E-C-H.com. We're online and we have an e-commerce store. We will soon be on Amazon, although I'm much rather come to our store. And if you're someone who has, you know, if you're an educator in this field, a urologist or a gynecologist or sexologist, and you'd like to speak to me directly, you can contact me at Elliot, L-M-I-O-T, at myframtech.com. Wonderful. So the information will be in the show. And thank you so much for being so generous with your time. I'm very excited to share this conversation with our listeners. And hopefully we will have you on our show in the future. I'd love to be back when the female products come out to talk about them. Right. Yeah, if I'm excited about that. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. I hope you guys found our conversation meaningful and you got tons of good information about different options that you have when it comes to erectile unpredictability, erectile challenges, and also wanted to address the shame and the stigma around bringing sex toys like cock rings into the bedroom. It's understandable whenever you're trying something new, introducing new element in your sex life, it's common for people to feel self-conscious if you you're a female being in a relationship with men maybe you're wondering if he thinks I'm attractive enough as we talk about during the interview big part of the issue might be related to health related challenges and first of all like this tool will help your partner to make changes track them and also will make the whole experience smoother i also wanted to mention that our sponsor for this episode is Firm Tech, and I love their performance tech ring. I know we talked about the benefit of tracking and all of that, but when we tried it, what I loved about it, it was about how comfortable it was. In the past, I was approached by different companies that they were producing cock rings. And like any product that I want to introduce to you guys, we try it first. And it was very uncomfortable. And like my husband didn't want to use it in the middle of sex. So it was just the whole experience wasn't smooth. That's why I decided to not promote that product. But what I loved about the tech ring, it was like very comfortable and it helps with kind of like maintaining an erection, but also it doesn't get in the way if you want to do all sorts of fun things. So I recommend you to check it out yourself. You can use our code Moali20 
to get 20% discount. Head over to myfirmtech.com and enter the information. And on another note, I'm excited to announce that I'm reopening sign up for my workshop on seven tactics for achieving optimal performance without medication. And I'm adding some really cool bonuses for those who join. If you are interested in improving your sexual health, head over to our link below and sign up for the waiting list. People in the waiting list get, will get the initial email when we open the door and also they have an opportunity to sign up for the time-sensitive bonuses. That's all for today's episode of Sexology Podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.